In this video, we're going over the category herbs that stabilize and bind, or what other books will just call astringent herbs. So like always, we'll start by talking about the category as a whole and the signs and symptoms that are associated with it. Then we'll talk about the individual herbs. And finally, we'll just review a few formulas where these herbs pop up. If you want to follow along, you can download the slides or the flashcards. There are links to those below. And there's also a practice test that you can take afterwards. And this video is brought to you by the TCM Study Single Herb Review Course. If you're studying for a big test like finals, year ends, or boards, and you want to study all of the herbs in a very quick and efficient manner, then the Single Herb Review Course might be for you. If you want to learn more, stick around to the end of the video. So the name of this category is Herbs That Stabilize and Bind, which is kind of a weird name. What do we mean by stabilize and bind? Well, it turns out other books will just call this category astringent herbs or herbs that induce astringency because that's what we're doing is we're inducing astringency to stop leakage and when you say leakage we're pretty much talking about leakage of fluids so what does this mean to induce astringency to stop leakage well if you remember back to the very very beginning and fundamentals we talked about the functions of chi the five or six functions of chi depending on which book you're reading and remember, one of those functions was containment, that chi is supposed to contain or hold things in. So the idea here is that if chi is deficient, it will fail in its function of containment and those fluids and other things will leak out. So what kind of leakage could we be looking at? Well, basically, we can divide it up into three depending on the system. So we can look at leakage of lung chi. So when you say leakage of lung chi, this could refer to sweating. Remember, the lung governs the exterior. It governs the wei chi and the opening and closing of the pores. So if the lung chi is deficient, the, the interstices become unsound and the sweat leaks out. So if there's lung chi deficiency, the lung chi fails in its function of containment and the fluids, the sweat leaks out. When you talk about uh, lung chi leakage, we can also technically talk about cough, wheezing, and shortness of breath. Just know here when I write down SOB, that's, uh, that means shortness of breath. So you might see that come up in different things. So a lot of times when we talk about this cough, wheezing, shortness of breath, we could call this rebellious lung chi, but we could also say that if the lung is deficient, it fails in its function of depurative downbearing, and so we could call that leakage of lung chi as well. So some of these herbs that treat, that estrange the lung will treat coughing and wheezing as well. Besides that, we can have, we can call this middle jowl leakage, so spleen stomach. So if the spleen is deficient, it can fail in containment. But really when we say middle jowl, this also, we can also call this large intestine leakage because the main symptom here is diarrhea. That um, if, if the middle jowl is deficient, if we have spleen chi deficiency, it can fail to contain, it can fail to hold things in. And so we just have... Um, a kind of a chronic long-term loose stools or diarrhea. So sometimes we'll call that middle jowl leakage or sometimes we'll call it large intestine leakage. I think that in terms of the chi deficiency, it's actually like the spleen chi that is deficient. But when we get into our herb functions, we'll say we astringe the large intestine 
to stop diarrhea. But anyway, a chronic long-standing diarrhea due to deficiency can be considered leakage as well. And then we can have lower jowl leakage or kidney leakage, and this can manifest in a couple ways. So we can have, um, this could be leakage of water like urination issues. So frequent profuse urination, frequent nighttime urination, or incontinence, things like bedwetting or daytime incontinence. Because remember, the kidneys are supposed to transform the fluids. The kidney chi is supposed to hold the fluids in. And so if that kidney chi is deficient, the fluids will leak out, giving us urination issues like uh, frequent profuse urination or even incontinence. But then remember, the kidneys are also supposed to store the jing or the essence of well. So if that kidney chi is not firm, the kidney chi is not stable and holding things in, we can have leakage of essence. So like seminal emission, uh, premature ejaculation, spermatorrhea, things like that. Or in women, we could have vaginal discharge. And again, these are things due to deficiency where the kidney chi can't hold things in. So these are the main ones that we're talking about when we're talking about inducing astringency to stop leakage. If we wanted to add another one, we could also say um, in this idea of leakage, we could add in bleeding as another condition. So remember, again, when we went back to fundamentals, when we talked about the functions of the spleen, we said that the spleen is supposed to hold the blood inside the vessels. So if the spleen she is deficient, it can fail in its function of containment and that blood can leak out of the vessels. So that deficiency can be a cause of bleeding and we can consider that leakage as well. But here, when we talk about this kind of bleeding, we're not just talking about like spontaneously cuts open up on your skin and you start bleeding, or we're not even so much talking about like coughing up blood or vomiting blood. That's usually typically more bleeding due to heat. When you talk about this bleeding due to deficiency where the blood is leaking out or the chi is failing to contain the blood, we're usually talking about uterine bleeding or things like profuse menses. So we could say prolonged menses where the period lasts longer than normal, uh, profuse menses where there's a lot of bleeding, or sometimes we use the term flooding and spotting. So during the period, the, the, the flow is very heavy, so that's the flooding, and then we have spotting between periods. So that could be a type of bleeding due to deficiency where we want to induce astringency to contain that leakage of blood. And again, this is something that we talked about uh, last semester in the category herbs that stop bleeding. We talked about our different treatment strategies for bleeding. And there we did have some herbs that induce astringency to stop bleeding. So a lot of those herbs are in that category. But we might see a few in this category that also stop bleeding as well. But this is basically what we're dealing with when we say stabilize and bind or when we say induce astringency to stop leakage. These are the types of conditions that we're talking about. So a few things we can we should keep in mind when we want to employ the strategy of inducing astringency to stop leakage is number one, we want to avoid detaining the evil. And so what does this mean? Well, basically what this means is remember when we're trying to stop leakage, this is for conditions due to deficiency where the chi is deficient and it fails in its function of containment. And when the chi fails to contain these fluids, we might have sweating, diarrhea, frequent copious urination and things like that.
What we want to be careful of is if we have these same symptoms, but they're, they're due to an excess pathogen or an external pathogen, then we do not want to use these herbs. So an idea would be here, an example would be, suppose we have a wind-cold pathogen that attacks the exterior and we get sweating. Well, in that situation, we don't want to hold things in. We want to promote sweating to push the pathogen out. If we have heat binding in the stomach and large intestine, we don't want to hold things in. We want to push it out by by purging the large intestine. If we have um, diarrhea due to damp heat, we're not going to try to hold things in. We want to drain out that damp heat. So the idea here is if we have one of those excess pathogens, if we use these astringent herbs, what that will do is actually trap the pathogen inside. And so sometimes the analogy here is like, they say, you don't want to lock the door while the thief is still in the house. So if you have something invading, you first want to push the pathogen out, and then you can reinforce the exterior and hold things in. So that's something we want to keep in mind, that when we're using these herbs, these are for long-standing cases due to deficiency. So, so in terms of like diarrhea, think about like IBS or Crohn's, where it's something that's been going on for a long time, and it's usually due to a deficiency condition. If you had diarrhea due to damp heat, if you try to use these herbs, you'll actually make the condition worse because you're trapping that damp heat pathogen inside the body. And the same thing goes for our other with, if we have uh, urination problems due to damp heat and lower jowl, if we have uh, sweating due to a, a heat condition, then trapping, then using astringent herbs to just trap that pathogen in. So we do not use these herbs for excess conditions. These herbs are only for deficiency conditions where the cheat is failing in its function of containment. They are not for excess evil pathogens invading the body. So that's number one is we don't want to hold the pathogen in. Number two is we should acknowledge that these herbs treat the branch symptoms only. So again, we said this is a condition where the chi is deficient and fails in its function of containment. So these astringent herbs will treat those branch symptoms of leakage, but we would need to combine them with herbs that treat the underlying root cause. So say we had uh, night sweating due to yin deficiency. We could use these herbs to stop the sweating, but we'd have to combine them with herbs that tonify yin. Say we have chronic diarrhea due to kidney yang deficiency. We could use these herbs to astringe the large intestine and hold in the diarrhea, but we would have to combine it with herbs that tonify kidney yang. If we had cough due to lung qi deficiency, we could use sour herbs to hold the lung qi in, but we would still want to use herbs that tonify lung qi as well. So uh, these herbs only treat the branch symptoms. We want to combine them with tonifying herbs to treat the root cause. And so sometimes what comes up here is when we talk about this difference between uh, treating the root versus treating the branch, sometimes students will ask, why would we ever just not treat the root? Why? I thought Chinese medicine was all about treating the root cause instead of just putting a Band-Aid on and covering up the symptoms. Why would we even bother with this branch treatment? And kind of the answer is that basically sometimes these conditions take a long time to treat. So say you have someone with kidney yin deficiency. They have five center heat. 
They have tidal fever, hot flashes, they have a red dry tongue, and one of their main complaints is night sweating. Sometimes when, when people have kidney indeficiency, the night sweating can be so severe that they wake up several times per night and change, the, change their bed sheets because their bed sheets have been soaked with sweat. And so this is a very severe condition. So we could say in order to treat this condition, we treat the root by tonifying kidney yin, but it turns out Building up kidney yin can take a long time. It could take several months to build up that kidney yin. And in the meantime, the patient is still suffering. They're still experiencing these branch symptoms. So what we do is that, yes, we start out with a formula that tonifies kidney yin to treat the root cause, but then we'll add in some of these astringent herbs that induce astringency to stop sweating so that the patient can feel some relief for those symptoms while we're building up the, the kidney in. So that's kind of the idea here is that this is for a dual approach of tr uh, treating the branch symptoms, but we also have to treat the root cause as well. And like we said, when we're dealing with these herbs, it's typically deficiency is the root cause. So getting back to the name of this category, herbs that stabilize and bind, I think this is kind of a weird name, but just to, just to kind of elaborate why Bensky uses this term. So when you talk about the term stabilize, in Chinese, the word here is gu, which can be translated as um, to stabilize or to secure or to strengthen. Um, and then the word bind, that's his translation for se. So it turns out se actually means astringency. Um, so when we talk about the five flavors, um, and then we also talked about in addition to the five flavors, we have extra properties like bland, aromatic, and astringent. The word for astringent is se. So a lot of people will just say astringent or induce astringency. For some reason, Bensky translates this as bind. So when we're talking about the five flavors and the properties of the herbs, se gets translated as astringent. But when we talk about the actions of the herbs, he translates se as bind. So that's kind of what we mean by this term stabilize and bind. And so this will come up in the herb functions. Well, he'll say things like stabilize the exterior to stop sweating stabilize the kidney to stop leakage of essence, or even stabilize menses to treat these bleeding conditions like flooding and spotting. And then we use the word bind. We can say bind up the intestine to stop diarrhea or even bind up essence to stop leakage of essence as in um, seminal emission, spermatorrhea, premature ejaculation. So that's why he uses, that's why he names this category herbs that stabilize and bind. Those are just the the translations of those Chinese words that he uses, and that's what's going to come up in these formula actions. That when, instead of saying inducing astringency, Bensky will say things like stabilizes the exterior or binds up the intestines. But it turns out there are other books that will use other terms for this. So we might say constrains the lung and stop sweating or constrains the lung chi to stop cough. So constraining is like uh, stabilizing binding, astringing the intestines to stop diarrhea. So for s, instead of saying binding up the intestines, other books will just say astringe the intestines to stop diarrhea. Or we can, um, for gu, we can say secure. So like secure kidney essence. So these are just some of the terms uh, that we'll see being used. And we just need to know that they all pretty much mean the same thing, or they were all talking about inducing astringency to stop leakage. And usually we're talking about leakage of fluids, but we can also talk about things like diarrhea, coughing, and other things like that. So that's just what we mean by the, the category herbs that stabilize and bind. So if you're following along in Bensky, don't get confused by that. If you're using other books, it might just say 
astringency. So that's what we mean. So this slide, I think, summarizes everything that uh, we talked about. So we can say astringent herbs. We definitely, uh, we usually talk about three different types of leakage. We can have leakage in the upper jaw, lung chi leakage, which is either usually sweating, but can also mean things like coughing and wheezing. We can talk about middle jaw or large intestine leakage. And here we're talking about diarrhea. Again, we're talking about more like chronic long-standing diarrhea due to either spleen chi deficiency or spleen and kidney yang deficiency. Or we could have kidney leakage, lower jaw leakage, things like leakage of urine, leakage of essence, things like that. We use these herbs for chronic long-standing cases due to deficiency. We don't use them for excess conditions because that would just trap the pathogen in and actually prolong the disease. And these herbs treat the branch symptoms. Uh, we would have to combine them with tonifying herbs to treat the root. So we look at the properties of herbs that stabilize and bind. In terms of taste, uh, these herbs are either sour and or astringent. So remember the sour flavor astringes, it holds things in. And then astringent is an extra property that we don't necessarily call it a taste. We don't name it among the five flavors, but we talk about it under the same category as properties. And astringent just refers to this action of it. It causes your mouth to pucker. It has this, this action. And so it, it we say it has an action of holding things in. So it's a, sometimes we'll say the, we'll use the word astringent just to describe herbs or substances that they don't necessarily taste sour when you put them in your mouth, but they still cause this puckering and they still have this action of restraining leakage of fluids. So, so these herbs are of course going to be sour or astringent because this is the astringency category. The temperature is generally going to be warm or neutral. Again, we're usually dealing with deficiency and so it's just the warming temperature tends to be a little bit more tonifying. We will have one or two that are cool in temperature, so that's something to pay attention to. In terms of entering channels, it's going to be the depending on the type of leakage. So we can say uh, leakage of long chi will enter the lung channel. If there's large intestine leakage, enters a large intestine channel. If there's lower jowl leakage, enters the kidney channel. So that's going to depend on what type of leakage uh, the herb restrains. And the main action is to induce astringency to stop leakage, or in Bensky terms, it would be stabilize and bind, things like stabilize the interior, bind up the large intestine, secure kidney essence, things like that. And some other things, like we said, these street leakage due to deficiency, uh, don't use them for excess conditions, and combine them with uh, tonifying herbs to treat the root cause. So when we look at these herbs, at least in Bensky, he just gives us one long list of herbs. And I think this is a little bit confusing and it's a little bit unwieldy. So I don't really go along with this. If we look at other books like the Wiseman and Brand, Concise Materia Medica, what they do is they divide it up into categories based on what type of leakage the, these herbs treat. So we divide it up into Leakage of lung chi, so herbs that treat coughing and sweating. Middle jowl leakage or large intestine leakage, so herbs that treat diarrhea. And then lower jowl leakage or leakage of urine and leakage of essence um, for the last category. So this is, this is something I prefer. This is the way I learned it, so this is the way I prefer to teach it. And so just know that we're not going to be looking at these herbs in the same order that Bensky does them. So we've had to rearrange them a little bit. And then also just understand that there is some overlap here. These aren't very strict categories that 
a lot of these herbs do more than one. Some of them will bind the large intestine to stop diarrhea, but they also stop sweating or they also uh, prevent leakage of kidney essence. So some of them do more than one thing. We just divide them up based on what their major action is or what they're most known for. So just realize that there is some overlap here. So yeah, here just realize that there's going to be some overlap here. And so some herbs treat more than one type of leakage. But let's go ahead and start out with our upper jowl leakage, leakage of the lung chi for coughing and sweating. And our first one here is Uweza Schisandra fructus. Uweza Schisandra fructus. This is Schisandra berry. This has become a little bit popular in Western herbalism as well. So maybe you're familiar with this. But in Chinese, it's called Uweza. So uweza, like we said, it's we're in the category of lung chi leakage. So uweza constrains lung chi leakage. And we can say this is for coughing and wheezing due to deficiency. So again, sometimes we think about coughing and wheezing as in rebellious lung chi. But here we can also think about it as if the lung chi is deficient, it fails in its function of downbearing the chi. And so it kind of leaks back uh, up and outward. So uh, Uweza, by virtue of its sour flavor, it can induce astringency to stop leakage of lung chi to treat things like coughing and wheezing due to lung deficiency, like lung chi deficiency or lung yin deficiency. So here we're talking about uh, more of a chronic cough, a uh, cough that's more soft in volume. It's not like a loud hacking cough where you're coughing up a bunch of phlegm. This is more like a very a chronic, maybe a chronic dry cough due to lung yin deficiency or a chronic quiet cough due to lung chi deficiency. So we can uh, astringe lung chi to stop that coughing and wheezing. And then also Uweza uh, stops sweating. So we can say it stabilizes the exterior and stops sweating for spontaneous sweating. This is usually due to like spleen chi deficiency. The sweat, you start sweating even though you're not exerting yourself or lung chi deficiency. You start sweating even though you're not exerting yourself. Or we can have night sweating. Sometimes this is more about kidney yin deficiency. So either spontaneous sweating during the day or night sweating uh, in the evening or night. And usually this is especially when there's thirst or dryness accompanying it because we're not only stopping the sweating, we're also generating fluids to treat dryness and thirst as well. So those are the main functions of Uweza in terms of astringing the lung. It's good for coughing and wheezing, and it's also good for sweating, both daytime sweating and nighttime sweating. But besides that, we can also say Uweza has an action of stopping kidney leakage as well. So we can have leakage of essence like nocturnal emission, spermatorrhea, vaginal discharge, or frequent urination. So all those symptoms of lower jowl leakage when the kidney is not holding things in. We can have leakage of urine or leakage of essence. And this is actually also for, um, can help bind up the intestine for early morning diarrhea, especially when that diarrhea is due to spleen and kidney yang deficiency. So this is something that we talked about um, in the last category or the category before when we talked about herbs that tonify kidney yang. When kidney and spleen yang are deficient, then we can end up with this early morning diarrhea, daybreak diarrhea. And so we would use those herbs that tonify kidney yang to treat the root cause, but we could also use wu to treat the branch symptoms as well. 
So with Luweza, it's basically doing all the types of leakage. We're restraining lung chi leakage for uh, coughing and sweating. We're restraining kidney leakage for leakage of essence and urine. And then we're also binding up the large intestine as well. But I would say with Luweza, we typically see this more for uh, diarrhea due to uh, spleen and kidney yang deficiency. Maybe not so much for spleen chi deficiency. So that's why we put this diarrhea, we put it under the, the subheading of kidney leakage as well. And then kind of an interesting action here is we say that Uweza calms the spirit as well. And this is kind of an interesting idea where this comes up a few times where we could say it calms the spirit. It That sour flavor, by virtue of holding things together, it prevents the heart chi from scattering. So it's kind of that sour flavor is holding the heart chi together to, to help with Shen problems like irritability, insomnia, palpitations or dream disturbed sleep, profuse dreaming because um, the, the heart shen can't come home to its house in the heart. So we end up with uh, dream disturbed sleep. So that's kind of an, another interesting action. We attribute that to the sour flavor where it's holding the heart chi together to calm the spirit. So we look up here, the, the taste of Uweza, it's of course sour because it's holding things in. And this one, if you Uweza should be relatively safe if you want to taste it, if you want to either eat a little bit or sometimes what you can do is just soak it in water. You don't even have to heat up the water. You can just soak it in regular water for a long time. And then when you taste it, it will taste very sour in flavor. So it definitely has a sour flavor um, to induce astringency. Then we also say it has some sweetness as well because it's generating fluids. And so that sweet flavor is moistening. And then some people will also say that Uweza has a tonifying action as well. And I think that's why it's become more popular in the West. I've even been to like smoothie bars where they will, one of their add-ons, they will add schisandra berry to it. And I think they, there's this idea that can also tonify as well. But at least in um, traditionally, we don't really see this as a tonifying herb. In TCM, it's more about... Um, either holding things in or uh, generating fluids. The entering channels are kidney, heart, and lung because those are the types of qi that we're astringing. We're uh, inducing a, we're stopping lung qi leakage for coughing and sweating. We're stopping kidney leakage for urine and essence, but also for diarrhea due to kidney deficiency. And we're also calming heart spirit as well. So that's why we have those entering channels. And the name Uweza means five flavor seeds. So U means five. I think we've seen this come up before. Um, well, we see this come up in um, formula names as well. Wei means flavor or taste, or sometimes it, we even translate it as ingredient. And Z means seed. So Uweza is five flavor seed. So some people say that this seed, this this herb has all five flavors. But if you've ever tasted it, definitely the dominant taste is sour. So that's Uweza kind of does all of them, but I would say we, we would especially focus on, focus on lung leakage for Uweza. Next is Fu Xiao Mai, Tritiki Fructus Levis. Fu Xiao Mai, Tritiki Fructus Levis. This is floating wheat. So remember, you may remember back in the... Um, Food stagnation category, we learned maya, which is like a, a, a sprouted grain. Here we have fu xiao mai. This is floating wheat, so it's uh, wheat berries, but you put it in water. Some of the some of that wheat sinks to the bottom. Some of it floats to the top. This is the floating variety. And so fu xiao mai, its main action is stopping sweating. So we say fu xiao mai inhibits sweating. 
for a spontaneous sweating due to qi deficiency or for night sweating due to yin deficiency. So again, fu xiao ma is stopping sweating. It's either for daytime sweating or for nighttime sweating. When we're sweating during the day, it's usually due to lung qi deficiency or spleen qi deficiency. Remember, we saw that with herbs like huang qi and baiju. Or if it's sweating during the nighttime, that's usually due to a kidney yin deficiency, which we saw as well in the conify yin category and the clear deficiency heat category. So fu xiao mai, floating wheat, stop sweating. We could say that's its main action. And then additionally here, we could say that Fu Xiaomai tonifies heart qi to calm Shen. Now this one is a little bit weird because when you look in Bensky, it's one of those things where first he has a section that he calls like key indications or key actions. And up in that section, he lists this as tonifies heart qi and calms a Shen. But then when you get down to where he elaborates on each function, this isn't mentioned. He only mentions stopping sweating. So a lot of books don't necessarily mention this as an extra function, but I'm going to put it in here because we do have a very famous formula where Fu Xiaomai is there to uh, tonify heart qi and calm the spirit. So if you ever heard of Gan Mai Da Zao Tang, uh, sometimes people refer to this as happy tea. Gan Mai Da Zao Tang, the Gan means Gan Zao, the Mai means Fu Xiao Mai, and the Da Zao means Da Zao. So remember, Gan Zao is licorice, it tonifies heart qi. Da Zao is a sour or is a jujube date. Um, it tonifies blood and calms, uh, calms the Shen. And now we have Fu Xiao Mai, which also calms the Shen. So those are three herbs that we use together to calm the spirit. That's a very famous, very commonly used formula. So that's why I think it's important to include this uh, action of Fu Xiao Mai also tonifying heart qi to calm Shen. But by and large, I would think about Fu Xiao Mai is just an herb that it's basically its only function is stopping sweating. And that's where we're going to see it used for is stopping sweating, except for in a few cases where we'll also see it tonify um, heart qi to calm Shen. When we look at the dosage, the dosage is higher than normal, and this is very common when we have herbs that are basically food items as well. So this is just wheat, so it's a food, so we can use a higher dosage. And then also notice that the entering channel is only the heart channel. So this is a little bit interesting, that even though it's for stopping sweating, it doesn't enter the lung channel and enters the heart channel. So maybe you can remember that the, the actual fluid of the sweat is associated with the heart. And this is one that people get confused sometimes, that when they have a, a year-end test or a foundations test, they'll ask, uh, what, what organ is the sweat associated with? And a lot of people think that it's the lung because the lung opens and closes in the pores. But actually, the lung is associated with the snivel, the stuff that comes out your nose. The sweat is actually associated with the heart organ. And so that's why you have like heart six is really good for stopping sweating. So anyway... Fu Xiaomai enters the heart channel, and that has to do with this action of stopping sweating. And the name Fu Xiaomai means floating little wheat. So Fu means floating, and this is the same as like when we talk about a floating pulse, that's Fu Mai, the floating pulse or the superficial pulse. So Fu means floating, Xiao means little, and Mai means wheat, like again we learned Maya, which just means grain. So that's Fu Xiaomai, think stopping sweating. After that is Bai Guo Ginkgo Semen. Bai Guo Ginkgo Semen. This is Ginkgo Nut. So I think in the West, a lot of people are familiar with um, Ginkgo Leaf. I'm not, I think they use that for like memory problems or brain issues and things like that. And that is an herb in Chinese medicine. It's called 
yin xin ye, I think. But here, when we say ginkgo, we mainly you're using ginkgo nut. And here we're using it basically to estrange the lung and stop coughing and wheezing. So bai guo ginkgo semen constrains lung qi and stops wheezing for wheezing and coughs, and especially for chronic cough or cough with copious phlegm. So it turns out bai guo, some books will actually put this in the category we already learned, herbs that stop coughing and wheezing. So because bai guo is sometimes put in the category herbs that stop coughing and wheezing, we should probably, that should probably clue us in that the main action here is stopping coughing and wheezing. So other books will put it there. Bensky puts it here in the stabilized and bind category. So it's um, mainly being used for coughing and wheezing. But we should also know that Biguo also has an action of um, eliminating dampness and inducing astringency. So it's good for abnormal vaginal discharge or for dampness that comes out in the urine, turbid urine, frequent urine, um, and uresis, so urination issues, but especially when the urine is cloudy, um, uh, cloudy or milky, and that's a sign that there's some dampness coming out in the urine. And so this one can be used for both deficiency and damp heat. Uh, notice it's neutral in temperature. So, so in this case, Baiguo is kind of special because it's, it's dealing with both. That if we have these lower jaw issues like vaginal discharge or dampness that's leaking out with the urine, this Baiguo is doing both. It's on the one hand sour to hold things in, so it's holding in that leakage. But it's also bitter in flavor to eliminate or dry out that dampness. So this one, Baiguo, is special because it's doing both at once. So in other cases, it might be we need one herb to take care of the dampness and one herb to hold things in. Baiguo is doing double duty. So that's what makes it special. So um, Baiguo, that's, that's what I would think of as main action is for coughing and wheezing because this is sometimes put in the coughing and wheezing category. But then also think about dampness, vaginal discharge, and turbid urine. And here Baiguo is doing double duty of holding things in, but also drying out the dampness with its bitter flavor. We should also know that uh, Baiguo is slightly toxic. And so some of the symptoms we might see are hyperthermia, like you're feeling hot, nausea, vomiting, foamy, saliva, diarrhea. And so there are some symptoms that you can have from uh, eating too much by wool. The thing here is usually when we talk about toxic reactions with by wool, this is something that, well, number one, we need to be especially careful with children, that the, that toxic dosage is much smaller in children. But basically, most of the times when people have a toxic reaction to buy wool, it's because they're actually eating the nut. I mean, this is just a nut. You can just buy ginkgo nuts and eat them like a snack. And so it's, that's usually where we run into an issue of toxicity. We usually don't worry about it so much when we're dealing with a decoction because it turns out even if you roast the nuts, some of those toxic alkaloids will still still be there. So if you're just eating the roasted baiguo, there's still some toxic alkaloids in there. But if you cook baiguo in decoction, that pretty much that cooks out a lot of those toxic alkaloids. So we should still be mindful of our dosage. But in terms of this toxicity, it's something we worry more about, one, with children, and number two, if you're eating the raw nut. So I had a Chinese teacher who would say that if you're eating baiguo like as a snack, you, you can eat some every day, but after five days, you should take a break. 
and then you take a break for a couple of days and then you can come back and eat, eat it for a couple of days and then take a break. And that will avoid some of these toxic reactions. But for us, we should be careful with our dosage here. I think uh, Bensky says don't go above 12 grams. But if as long as we're cooking Baiguo in decoction, it's relatively safe if we stay in that normal dosage range. And also because this is a nut, you can see this. It looks kind of like a pistachio. It has a really hard shell. So, of course, we're going to want to crush it before decocting. If we just boil it like this, we're not going to be able to extract the medicinal value. So, Baiguo is a, a nut with a hard shell. So, crush it before decocting. And the name Baiguo just means white fruit. So, Bai means white. We've seen this before. Um, like Bai Xiao is white peony. And Guo means uh, fruit or melon. Like... Um, Guo uh, or um, sorry, that was gua is melon. Guo is fruit. We've learned some other fruits. I'm trying to think of what other fruits we learned. Sorry, I got gua and guo mixed up. Anyway, guo means fruit. And then another one. Um, I think this is when I was in school. This was not on the syllabus. I think this is not on um, the NCCUM list, but it does come up in one or two formulas, and this is interesting. That another one in this category we have is. Ma Huang Gun Ephedra Radix. So Ma Huang Gun. Uh, this is the root of the Ma Huang plant. So way back in the beginning, in the warm acid release, the exterior category, we learned Ma Huang, and that's Ephedra herba, the leaf of the plant. Ma Huang Gen is the root of the plant. And this is another herb that pretty much its only action is stopping sweating. So I, I just like to bring this up because I think this is kind of interesting. This is kind of a funny thing we say about the Ma Huang plant, that if you have this plant, the Ma Huang plant, the leaves of the plant are very good for promoting sweating, but the root of the plant is very good for stopping sweating. And there's actually kind of a, a, a famous story about there was this um, – uh, this herbalist, this student herbalist, that he was apprenticed to this great master, but the the student was very cocky and overconfident, and he thought, oh, I've learned enough. I don't need to learn anymore from this old man. I'm going to go off and start my own clinic. And so he went off and started his, his own uh, herbal shop, and he had somebody come in who was sweating prof profusely. And so the student remembered that, oh, Ma Huang is very good for stopping sweating. So he gave this person Ma Huang. But he had forgotten that there's a difference between Ma Huang the leaf and Ma Huang the root. And he had given the wrong one. So this, so his patient started sweating even more. So he had to go back to his old teacher and, and uh, apologize and say, I'm, I'm sorry, I was overconfident. I thought I, I thought I knew everything, but apparently I was wrong about the difference between Ma Huang and Ma Huang Gun. So I just bring this up because this will come up in one or two formulas that we learn. And I think it's also just interesting that we have this different parts of the plant have opposite effects. So Ma Huang Ephedra Herba strongly promotes sweating to release the exterior. But Ma Huang Gen, the root, actually uh, inhibits sweating. You can see it's only entering channelless lung because it's only for sweating. So that's another one we'll see. So after that, we get into our herbs that are more about um, middle jowl leakage or large intestine leakage. So these are herbs that induce astringency to stop diarrhea. So our first one here is Umei Mum Fructus. I'm actually not sure how to pronounce the Latin one, if it's Mum or Mumi or Umei Mum Fructus. This is a, a black plum or dark plum. And I think it, it has a similar sounding name in Japanese. It's ume or umeboshi. It's a type of plum. 
And so, may a very important herb that we need to know, and it has a lot of different actions. So number one, it does constrain lung chi leakage for chronic cough due to lung deficiency. And we'll find that a lot of these in this category of stopping diarrhea, they're also good for stopping cough as well. So this can be for chronic cough due to lung deficiency, not necessarily for sweating, but for chronic cough due to lung deficiency. So it does constrain lung chi leakage as well. But here, its main action in this category is binding up the intestines and stopping diarrhea. For So this is for chronic diarrhea and dysentery. Again, usually this is a chronic long-standing uh, condition where there's some deficiency. And that's why we want to astringe and stop diarrhea. And this can also be used uh, to stop bleeding, so it's good for blood in the stool. So if we have this chronic dysentery with blood in the stool, we can use ume in its charred form to, number one, astringe the diarrhea, but then also to stop bleeding. So this is kind of doing two at once. So um, we'd, uh, when we char it, it's called ume tan. Remember again, tan means charred. So that we would say that's the main action in this category is Wume binds up the intestines and stops diarrhea. But besides that, Wume also has a very famous action of generating fluids and alleviating thirst. So for thirst due to deficiency heat or for, we talked a lot about wasting and thirsting disorder, Xiao Ke. Like a, this is very similar to a Western diagnosis of diabetes where you have, you're very thirsty, but you also have profuse urination. So Wume has a very famous action of generating fluids and alleviating thirst. It turns out there's actually a story behind this. Uh, it's actually a, a Chinese idiom. There's a, a Chinese saying that where they say, thinking of plums to quench one's thirst. And so this is a story about uh, a general named Cao Cao. You, you may or may not have uh, uh, discussed him in the, in the history of Chinese medicine. Cao Cao is a very famous general, and um, he's known as being very ruthless. He's a very cutthroat general. He sometimes he, he kills his enemy. Sometimes he, uh, he, he was very paranoid. He was afraid that people were trying to poison him. And so he would say, it's, it's better to mistakenly kill a friend than to mistakenly let an enemy live. So there's a, there's also a story about he had a friend over for dinner and he thought this friend was trying to poison him, so he had, he had him executed. And really, the guy was just being friendly. Um, we also he's he is all he's famous in TCM because his physician was Hua Tuo, um, like the Hua Tuo Jia Ji, one of the first uh, surgeons. He was able to form brain surgery and he did surgery on uh, Cao Cao because he had a headache and again Cao Cao thought he was trying to kill him so I think I think it's Cao Cao is the one who had Hua Tuo. Anyway so the story about Wu Mei is um, Cao Cao was marching his troops and he really needed his troops to keep moving but his troops were getting tired they were exhausted and they were extremely thirsty they had run out of water and so the troops were starting to uh, get uh, developing unrest, they were starting to rebel, and they wanted to stop. But Cao Cao needed his troops to keep marching. So what he did is he rode to the top of the next hill, and he waved his flag and said, look, over, the ne over this next hill, there's a grove of plum trees. And so keep on marching. If you keep marching, we'll get to the this grove of plum trees, and you can use the plums to quench your thirst. And so the idea here is that his troops were then motivated and reinvigorated to keep marching. And so we say that just, just 
thinking about the plums was able to bring some moisture to their throat and they were able to keep on marching. I think it, it turns out that Cao Cao was actually lying. He was just deceiving them so that he could get them to keep marching. So there's this Chinese idiom, thinking of plums to quench one's thirst. And I think this is, on the one hand, this is a saying about how, like, as long as you have hope, you can keep going. But I think on the other hand, it has this idea of there, it's false hope that's keeping you going. So anyway, so there's an idiot, there's a very famous idiom where it's like, even just thinking about Wu Mei, can help quench your thirst. So maybe that can help you remember this very famous function of ume, of generating fluids and alleviating thirst. I've even used this with patients where um, they had some sort of throat condition. I can't remember if it's if it was either they had some salivary cancer or some throat cancer. So it was either the cancer itself or the treatment of cancer, of the cancer. It made them have some very... Um, uh, they had difficulty producing saliva, they had a very dry throat, they had difficulty swallowing. And so uh, one of the things this patient tried by himself was, I think, tamarind bean. He would just suck on that. And I said, oh, another thing you could try is wumei has this action. And so he tried the wumei and he really liked it. It is, it's again, very sour. It has a very sour flavor. And also you can see it's kind of black and dark. It's actually prepared by like smoking it. So it has a little bit of a smoky flavor. So you may or may not like that. It's sour and smoky at the same time. And you also have to worry that it has a little pit in the middle. So make sure you don't choke on the pit if you're doing that. But wumei has a very famous action of generating fluids and alleviating thirst. And then another famous action here is Wumei quiets roundworms and alleviates pain. So abdominal pain associated with roundworms. So this is for vomiting roundworms and uh, the abdominal pain associated with it. So if you've, uh, if you study Chang Han Lun, you know, this is a very famous symptom that's associated with Jue Yin syndrome. So in terms of the six levels, Tai Yang, Yang Ming, Xiao Yang, Tai Yin, Xiao Yin, Jue Yin. Jue Yin is the last level. It's kind of like the Yin and Yang are starting to separate. So you have heat above and cold below. But one of the symptoms associated with Jue Yin syndrome, the one that everybody remembers, is vomiting roundworms. So, so Wu Mei is our representative herb for Jue Yin syndrome. On the one hand, it's um, binding up the intestines to treat the diarrhea. It's very sour in flavor, so it enters the liver channel or the Jue Yin channels, and it also quiets roundworms. So for Wu Mei, definitely remember that it uh, is good for vomiting roundworms as well. Then one additional function Bensky mentions is that it can be used topically for uh, sores, corns, and warts. And I'm actually, I've, I've never used it in this application and I'm not quite sure how it's supposed to be used. Uh, based on what it said in Bensky, it sounds like you would actually uh, dig out the wart and like after the wart falls out, then you have this like hole left in there and then you would use Ume to help sort of regenerate the flesh. So I'm not sure that you would use ume on the actual corn or wart. I think you would remove the wart first and then use to help this for the healing process afterwards. But I'm actually not very sure about that. So don't take my word for it. I've never used ume. It turned out we have other herbs for warts like yadanza is, is very famously used for, for warts and things like that. So I think there are other remedies. So you might have you might have to um, ask your ask your teachers about this, or especially if you have some Chinese teachers who've used this for this function, you can ask them how they used ume uh, in this external application because I've I've actually never used it that way. So, 
So ume, the name means black plum. U again means dark or black, uh, like with Husho Wu, Mr. Hu's black hair, or Oolong tea is a black tea. It turns out Wu actually means like crow or raven, but it also refers to that color. So it can so Ume is dark plum or black plum. So that's Ume. Definitely remember uh, binding the intestines to stop diarrhea. Very famous action of generating fluids to alleviate thirst. And then remember Jue Yin syndrome or vomiting roundworms for Ume. Next is Hezi Chebuli Fructus. Hezi Chebuli Fructus. Hezi, this one, uh, main action is binding up the intestines to stop diarrhea. So this is for chronic diarrhea and uh, dysentery. And it turns out, notice that this one is neutral in temperature, so it can be used for both hot and cold patterns of diarrhea, depending on what other herbs we can bind it with. So Hezi, very good for binding the intestines and stopping diarrhea. And because it's neutral in temperature, that makes it very versatile. That's the main thing I would remember about this. It does, again, like these other ones, has an action of constraining lung chi leakage for coughing and wheezing, and we say especially for loss of voice. Um, like with me, when I'm talking a lot, I start to lose my voice. I get hoarse and lose my voice at the end of this. Maybe I should take some hutzu. But so this is, again, we say, saw the same thing with wu mei, that a lot of these herbs that uh, bind up the intestines are also good for coughing and wheezing. Um, maybe you can think about a lung and large intestine connection. But I would say a main action of hutza, think about binding the intestines to stop diarrhea. So that's hutza. Kind of similar to that, we kind of put these two together, uh, hutza and rodoko meristikai semen. Rodoko meristikai semen. This is nutmeg, like what you would put in um, pumpkin pie, apple pie, or in a pumpkin spice latte. Maybe you can put it in French toast. So, rodoko, nutmeg. So, rodoko, it, it looked kind of similar. It's a big seed. It's a big nut. And its main action is binding up the intestines to stop diarrhea. So, again, for chronic or even early morning diarrhea due to spleen and kidney yang deficiency. Um, so, good. So again, for chronic diarrhea, and we said the same thing with uweitsa, especially when there's some spleen and kidney yang deficiency, giving us that early morning watery diarrhea, possibly with undigested food. But the other really interesting thing about rotoko is that it warms the middle jowl and moves chi, so for abdominal pain and vomiting due to cold. So with hezi, we said that it was neutral in temperature, and so that makes it very versatile. With rotoko, it's like it also has this action of warming the interior, and so it's warming the middle jowl and um, treating chi stagnation due to cold. And hopefully this makes sense because you can think about nutmeg is one of those spices that we use during the winter months. So if you're making an apple pie, the, the pumpkin pie spice or uh, spices you would use in apple pie are things like cinnamon, uh, clove, ginger. Those are all herbs from the category herbs that warm the interior. But then we also use nutmeg and mace as well. Mace is the outside, the, the shell of the nutmeg. So we use those herbs in the winter months and when we're making pumpkin pie, apple pie, and pumpkin spice latte. So we can all, I almost consider this like a warm the interior type of herb that has that warming property. So hopefully that can help you remember that. Rodoko also has an action of warming the interior and warming the middle jowl, but it also has this action of binding up the large intestine to stop diarrhea, which is convenient because this diarrhea usually belongs to a cold condition. So again, it's like we're doing both. We're um, astringing the diarrhea, but we're also warming the interior and dispersing the cold. So that's 
protocol. And then kind of, a, this is kind of a weird thing that I never knew about nutmeg, but apparently this is a thing that um, raw nutmeg contains some oils that can be a little bit toxic. And I think usually when we say the, the, the oils are toxic, we generally mean that it can irritate the stomach and irritate the large intestine and, and cause some uh, digestive upset. But it turns out also the maristici, there's like a, there's an alkaloid in there, um, maristocene or something that is actually hallucinogenic. So if you, if you get too much of those oils, it can actually uh, cause you to hallucinate. So rotoco in its unprepared form, um, because of those oils, it can upset your stomach, but in large dosages can also be hallucinogenic. So we usually prepare this and there are a couple of ways we can prepare this, but the sort of the traditional way is they would make a paste out of flour, wheat flour, and they'd coat the nutmeg seeds in this paste and then bake it. And so when it, when it baked, that flour paste on the outside would soak up the oils and soak up those oils that would irritate your stomach. And so after you bake them, you, you crack off that shell and discard that flour paste. And then you, then you have a, a roasted nutmeg seed where that oil, that toxic oil has been extracted and removed. So that's a traditional way. We call that whey rotoco. Um, in the very beginning, we talked about the different methods of preparation. Then that was one of them. Whey is called like roasting in ashes. And that's kind of the method here. And there's really only one or two herbs that use this preparation. And rotoco is one of them. But it turns out there you can also do this by um, getting some bran and just stir frying it with bran. And that will, that will do the same thing. That as the rotoco heats up, it will start to excrete these oils. And that wheat bran will absorb those oils. So we get rotoco. It's, it's usually prepared in that way in order to reduce its toxicity, and that's called whey rotoco. And so it turns out, so when I was in school, my Chinese teacher told me that there are actually two herbs that we use this, that we do this with rotoco, but we actually do the same thing with hezi. That hezi is often prepared in the same way where it's coated in this paste and baked. But as far as I can tell from reading the textbooks, what I found in our books is that hutzu is prepared in this way, but that's just more if we want to make the hutzu warm in temperature and go to the, and go to the spleen. I'm, I, as far as I can tell, hutzu doesn't have those same toxic oils. So I think it's, that's just done for the purposes of, um, making the herb warmer in temperature. Whereas with Rodoco, it's done for the purpose of removing these toxic oils. So that's something that may come up depending on de depending on your teacher. They might say that Hutze is also prepared in this way. But at least when I look in Bensky, Rodoco is the one that is definitely should be prepared this way to remove its toxicity. So that's Rodoco. The name means fleshy cardamom. So Ro means flesh or meat. Um, like when we say the spleen governs the flesh, we say ro, or uh, when we talk about different types of meat, like yang ro is lamb meat. So ro means flesh, and doko is a word for cardamom, like we learned in the aromatic category. We learned baidoko, white cardamom, saodoko, grassy cardamom, and here we have rodoko, fleshy cardamom. So that's just, I guess there's a name for a big seed like that. But Rodoco is nutmeg. I would think about warming the middle and stopping diarrhea. And those two kind of go together because when you have cold in the middle jowl, you tend to get diarrhea. So it goes together. Again, we're doing two for one. We're warming the middle and stopping diarrhea. So that's Rodoco. Nutmeg, 
You use it in your pumpkin spice lattes when the weather gets cold, so that's how you know it warms the interior. After that is Chunpi Elanthi Cortex. Chunpi Elanthi Cortex. And with this one, we need to be especially careful that we're pronouncing this uh, correctly. Remember, in, in Chinese pinyin, the U has an oo sound. Sometimes English speakers look at this and they want to say Chunpi because I think the U has an uh sound. But here we have to be careful because if you say Chunpi, a lot of Chinese people might think that you're saying Chenpi as in tangerine peel. So in Chinese pinyin, the E has an uh sound. So for tangerine peel, we say Chenpi, uh, Chen. The U has an oo sound, so we say Chunpi. Technically, there's a, there's a missing vowel in here, and so instead of Chun, you say Chun, but if you want to learn more about that, just Google pinyin gotchas, and that'll tell you about this. Anyway, we want to say chunpi, elanthi cortex. And for this one, what we're going to know is that it clears damp heat and induces astringency, especially for chronic diarrhea and dysentery due to damp heat. But it can also be used for um, vaginal discharge due to damp heat. So again, this is one that's doing both. That it's in, It has... Um, a stringent property to hold things in, so it's holding the diarrhea in, but it also has a bitterness that's clearing out the damp heat. So we're we're doing both at once. So that's why I'd say especially for chronic diarrhea, diarrhea and dysentery due to damp heat, because it's both holding things in and clearing the damp heat. And this is especially useful when there's blood in the stool. So that's kind of what we that's how we differentiate just diarrhea from dysentery. When there's dysentery, there's usually some inflammation and some blood and or pus in the stool. So chun pee, damp heat, especially when there's blood in the stool. So damp heat, dysentery with blood in the stool. But then also for a vaginal discharge due to damp heat. Again, we're inducing astringency to hold in the leakage, but we're also clearing the damp heat that's causing it uh, as well. So that's an important thing to know about chun pee. Chun pee also has an action of killing parasites. Remember in TCM when we say killing parasites, this can mean two things. This can mean real parasites like intestinal parasites, roundworm, pinworm, tapeworm, or when we say killing parasites, this could mean skin infection, like fungal infections, tinnias, itchiness, and rashes. So chun pee, when in terms of killing parasites, it actually does both. So it's good for, again, roundworms, so killing intestinal parasites like roundworms, but can also use, be used topically for itchy scabs and lichen. Um, I think lichen is a actually refers to like moss that grows on rocks and trees. But as a skin condition, it's like when you get some uh, purple bumps, and uh, an, an itchy rash. And I think it's not actually a fungal infection. I think it's an autoimmune disease. But because it looks like a, a skin infection, we they call that parasites as well. So we can use it topically for those types of things or when there's some itchiness as well. So chun pee, think damp heat that it's both uh, inducing astringency to stop diarrhea and stop vaginal discharge, but it's also um, cold and bitter to take care of the damp heat. So this is one that stands out because its temperature is cold. So chun pee. After that is chur, 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 haliocytum rubrum. Chur, 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 haliocytum rubrum. This is a mineral called haloisite. So, uh, I think it's also fun to say, chur, chur, chur. 
Churcherger binds up the intestines and stops diarrhea, especially for chronic diarrhea due to deficiency cold. So cold in the middle due to deficiency, and especially when there's chronic dysentery with blood and mucus in the stool as well. So these kind of so kind of similar to chun pee with that chronic dysentery, but here we're talking chun pee was for damp heat dysentery. Churcherger is for dysentery due to cold, but they can still see some blood, still see some blood and mucus in the in the stool. Then Churcherger also induces astringency to stop bleeding as well. So um, this can be for bleeding like profuse menses, flooding and spotting. So um, during the period, you have um, a profuse flow, a very heavy flow of bleeding, and then you have spotting between periods. So by inducing astringency, you can stop that bleeding. But then it can also be used for blood in the stool. So again, it's like it's kind of like we're combining these two functions together that it induces astringency to stop bleeding. It also induces astringency to stop diarrhea. So it's really good for you put those together and it's good for diarrhea with blood in the stool. And then we can actually use it topically for bleeding due to trauma. You can think about this. It, it looks like a little powder. So you can think about there's some you're putting some powder in there to help seal the wound like a stippling powder. And then uh, Churcherger also regenerates flesh. And so you can think of for chronic non-healing sores, you can think about, we saw the same thing with like Ruxiang and Mo Yao from the Invigorate Blood category. Those tree saps help regenerate flesh. We might use Churcherger along with that because it's both stopping the bleeding and it's also helping regenerate the flesh. So that's kind of a, a nice combination of those as well. So Churcherger, remember Chur. Here we say crimson, but crimson or red. Chur means red, so like chur shao is red peony. Um, we kind of have two words for red and that we see come up a lot. That one is chur, like chur shao is red peony. Hong also means red, like um, hong da zao, uh, hong ren shen, or hong hua. But here, um, chur means red. Shur means stone, like we saw this with like shur gao means uh uh, slippery stone or, or sorry, hua shur means slippery stone, shur gao means stone paste. So that's a common thing that comes up. Shur means stone. Um, so chur shur jur, uh, red stone resin. Maybe the way I remember this is chur means red. This substance is red in color. So maybe that can help you think of stopping bleeding. So chur shur jur stops bleeding both topically for injury and trauma, but also stops bleeding in terms of blood in the stool. So it, again, it has this dual action of it, it astringes to stop diarrhea, but it also astringes to stop bleeding. Put those together. It's good for diarrhea with blood in the stool. So that's chur shur jur haloisite. After that is Lian Zi Nelum Binus Semen. Lian Zi Nelum Binus Semen. And this is Lotus Seed. So it turns out up to now, I think we've learned like several parts of the lotus plant. We had He Ye, which was lotus leaf, to um, good for summer heat. We had Ojie, which are the nodes of the lotus root, is good for stopping bleeding. Remember, Ojie actually induces astringency to stop bleeding, but we put it in the stop bleeding category. And now we're learning Lianzi lotus seed. So Lianzi, um, this is a this is kind of a special one, a very commonly used one. And what makes it special is that it's good for inducing astringency for stopping diarrhea and um, stopping kidney leakage. But it's also tonifying as well. So this is one that's like is treating both the root and the branch. 
So we say, number one, it tonifies spleen and stops diarrhea. So for chronic diarrhea and loss of appetite due to spleen uh, deficiency. So again, here we're using um, the sweet flavor to tonify the spleen. We're using its astringent nature to stop the diarrhea. So you have diarrhea due to spleen chi deficiency. You're treating both the root and the branch at the same time. So that makes Lienza very special. Same thing for kidney. We say it tonifies the kidney and secures kidney essence as well for things like seminal emission, premature ejaculation, um, uh, urination problems like copious urine. We can also be used for vaginal discharge or um, that bleeding, flooding, and spotting. So again, we might have this leakage of kidney essence due to deficiency. Lianza is both tonifying the kidney and using its astringent nature to stop leakage. So you're treating the root and the branch at the same time. That makes Lianza very special. And then besides that, it also has this action of tonifying the heart to calm the spirit for palpitations, irritability, anxiety, insomnia, especially for kidney and heart not communicating. This one, to me at least, it's a little bit weird because I think that if you remember in the drain fire category, we learned Lienza Sheen. So basically it's uh, Lienza is lotus seed. It's the nut, but it also has this little um, plumule in the middle of it. And so sometimes, sometimes when you get Lienza, this plumule is included. Sometimes they take it out and separate it. And so when we talk about calming the spirit, I think that's more talking about Lienza Sheen. We, again, we learned this in the drain fire category. It's very good for uh, clearing heat to calm Shen. I think we said it's used for upside down baby syndrome. When your baby sleeps during the day, but then is awake all night, you can make a, you can make a pillow out of Lienza Sheen. So technically, according to the books, it does have this action, but I believe at least a According to my knowledge and what I was taught by my Chinese teachers, the teacher that if we want to calm the spirit, more likely we go to Lienza Sheen rather than the whole Lienza. But note that this is a function that's talked about in the textbook, so you, so you should know it um, for your studies. So Lienza Sheen, um, lotus seed, and it's also, it's very commonly used as, in food therapy as well. So especially if you're like making a kanji, if you have a person that they have spleen chi deficiency with diarrhea and you want to tonify the spleen and stop the diarrhea, you can make a kanji, you could have some rice kanji, and then you could add in some Lienza because it's a, a very good food thing as well. So it's lotus seed, very commonly used in food therapy. Dosage is a little bit higher than average. And... Um, and Lienza just means lotus seed. Similar to that is Qian Shi, Urali's semen. Qian Shi, um, Urali's semen. Uh, Lienza and Qian Shi are very often used together as paired herbs because they have very similar actions. Qian Shi, um, some, some people say this is fox nut. I, I don't know enough about nuts to know what fox nut is, but I, I've had a couple teachers who refer to this as fox nut, and so I'll, I just believe them. But Qian Shi, it's often paired together with Lienza because it has very similar functions in terms of tonifying the spleen to stop diarrhea and tonifying the kidney and securing essence. So just as before, we say it tonifies spleen and stops diarrhea. So again, if we have diarrhea due to spleen qi deficiency, um, Qian Shi is both sweet and astringent, so we're treating both the root and the branch at the same time. Uh, Qian Shi also tonifies the kidney and secures essence for this leakage of essence like nocturnal emission, premature ejaculation, frequent urination, and incontinence. So again, it's treating both the root and the branch that 
if the kidney chi is deficient and it can't hold things in, so things leak out, the astringent nature is going to hold in that leakage. The sweet taste is going to tonify the kidney. What makes Qian Shi different and what's something we should definitely pay attention to is, again, we say that Qian Shi eliminates dampness and stops discharge. So for vaginal discharge due to deficiency or damp heat. So kind of like we saw before that, again, it's taking care of both at the same time, that it's inducing astringency to stop the leakage, but it's also eliminating the dampness. We don't necessarily say it's bitter in flavor, but it's eliminating the dampness to take care of the dampness that's causing that as well. So similar to those other herbs we learned before that, that do both, this one also eliminates dampness and stops discharge. Chianshir also used in food therapy because it's fox nut. It's like a food. It has a, a larger than average dosage. So again, this would be very common if you were trying to prescribe someone a kanji that say they had some spleen deficiency and you wanted, instead of taking a formula, you wanted to pre prescribe some food therapy. It's very common that you would um, say boil some rice, make a rice kanji, and then add in ee ren, Job's tears. Remember we learned ee ren from the drain dampness category, that it drains dampness but also tonifies the spleen. And then you would add in lienza and qian shi, because again, both of these tonify the spleen but also stop diarrhea. So it's like we're tonifying the spleen and getting rid of the dampness all at the same time. So that's very common food therapy. Rice kanji with ee ren, lienza, and qian shi. So that's Chianchur. Again, these two are very similar. Lianza and Chianchur, they tend to be used together as paired herbs. If we wanted to differentiate them, we should remember that Lienza also enters the heart channel, so it uh, uh, can calm the spirit, whereas Chianchur is very good for dampness and vaginal discharge. So it's both eliminating the dampness, but also inducing astringency to stop that leakage. So Chianchur, think dampness and vaginal discharge as well. So that's Qian Shi, and that's kind of the last of our category of herbs for middle jowl or large intestine leakage, treating diarrhea. After that, we get into herbs that are good for kidney-related leakage, so leakage of urine or leakage of essence. And when we say leakage of essence, we mean um, seminal emission or vaginal discharge as well. So our first one here is Shan Ju Yu Corny Fructus. Shan Ju Yu Corny Fructus. This is Cornelian cherry fruit, if that means anything to you, but just say Shandryu. So Shandryu, like we said, we're in, the we're in that subcategory of kidney essence. So Shandryu secures kidney essence for things like seminal emission, frequent urination, and incontinence. So in, in terms of securing the kidneys or firming the kidneys or stabilizing the kidneys, it's both for leakage of essence, as in seminal emission, but also leakage of fluids, as in frequent urination or incontinence. So Shanjuyu, very good for that type of leakage. But Shanjuyu also stops sweating as well. So for um, excessive sweating, we say especially in cases of devastated yang and collapsed qi. So this is something that we talked about earlier in the semester when we talked about tonify qi and tonify yang. We talked about... Um, we could have uh, yang collapse or yang abandonment. We called it pool syndrome. And remember, we learned herbs like futsa, aconite, and ganjang, dried ginger, could rescue devastated yang. Then we also talked about qi collapse as well. We said that renshen, ginseng, powerfully tonifies a source qi that can rescue qi from collapse. And we said that these conditions of yang collapse and qi collapse 
they're very similar to a Western idea of going into shock. Like if you had um, severe vomiting or severe sweating or, or severe diarrhea with a loss of fluids and you start going into shock, that's what we mean by these abandonment conditions. Remember he said one of the symptoms there was profuse sweating, like you're because the yang is deficient or because the qi is collapsed, the sweat just starts leaking out. Sometimes we say it's like profuse, oily sweat. So in order to rescue that devastated yang, we might use futsa and ganjang. Or to rescue qi collapse, we might use ren shen. But here we could use shanjuyu for its sour flavor to stop some of that sweating that happens during those conditions. So in terms of stopping sweating, I'm not sure we use this so much for like... Uh, a lung qi deficiency or things like that. There are other herbs we can do go to. But if we have this case of qi collapse or yang collapse, then then uh, shanjuyu, when we talk about its function of stopping sweating, I think that's where we use shanjuyu the most. And then kind of like we talked about with our earlier herbs, that this, also, this one also has a tonifying action as well. So we can say it tonifies liver and kidney. We usually say liver and kidney yang, but also liver, but also kidney essence as well. So for impotence, dizziness, sore, and weak low back, and we say it tonifies both yang and essence. And kind of like we saw in the tonify yang category, yang and essence kind of go together anyway. So, um, so this is a good one that again we're we're treating both the root and the branch at the same time. So. Um, these leakage conditions, this seminal emission, frequent urination can happen due to kidney yang deficiency. So Shanjuyu is tonifying kidney yang, but it's also using its sour flavor to induce astringency as well and stop that leakage. So we'll see Shanjuyu come up very commonly in our formulas that tonify kidney yang because it's doing both at once. And then technically, Shanjiu also does have an action of stabilizing menses and stopping bleeding. So again, profuse menses, prolonged menses, or flooding and spawning. But this one, it's a little bit more mild um, in terms of its action. So it, so it does stop bleeding. But I think more famously, we should say that Shanjiu, very good for kidney leakage and tonifying kidney yang. So that's Shanjiu. And this this maybe sounds a little bit weird, but um, to remember this one, I often think of there's another we learned another herb that sounds very similar, wujuyu from the um, warm the interior category. And he said wujuyu is especially good for vomiting. So the, the, sometimes the way we remember that we would say wujuyu stop vomiting. That that sounds kind of like would you stop vomiting? Like would you please stop vomiting? Wujuyu stop vomiting. For this one, for some weird reason, I just think uh, in a similar terms, I think. Shanjuyu, stop ejaculating. It's like instead of having someone who's vomiting everywhere, if someone was vomiting all over the place, you'd be like, Wujuyu, stop vomiting. Whereas if you had someone who is just like ejaculating all over the place, you'd be like, Shanjuyu, stop ejaculating. So that's kind of weird, but that's how I remember that Shanjuyu is good for leakage of kidney essence. But we should also remember that it tonifies kidney yang as well. So again, treating both the root and the branch at the same time. And this is another one that if you taste it, it's like a sour cherry, so it, it kind of has a nice flavor, but if you taste it, it's definitely very sour in flavor. You can tell just by tasting it. And um, I know that some people would even like soak this in, in wine to give it this nice sour cherry flavor as well. So that's, that's another thing you can do, but it's actually has a, has a pleasant but very sour tart taste. Uh, the name Shan Juyu, Shan means mountain. I think Juyu just means dogwood. It's just a type of tree, but so Shan Juyu is just the... The, the name of the plant, but uh, Cornelian cherry. It's a type of cherry, so you can think it's a sour tart cherry. That sourness induces astringency. 
especially for leakage of essence in Tonavank and Yang. After that is Jin Yin Zi Rosai Levigatai Fructus. Jin Yin Zi Rosai Levigatai Fructus. This kind of makes me think like, it's not Leviosa. It's, it's, it's Leviosa, not Leviosar. It's Levigatai Fructus. Anyway, Jin Yin Zi. This is Cherokee Rose Hip. Again, I don't know what a rose. I don't know if rose hips are different from the roses, but apparently some people know what that means. Anyway, Jinyingza secures kidney essence for seminal emission, frequent urination, and vaginal discharge, and also binds up the intestines and stops diarrhea for chronic diarrhea and dysentery. So this is just one that it's neutral in temperature. It's sour and astringent, so it's good for both leakage of kidney essence and uh, large intestine leakage as well. So Jin Yingzi, I'm not sure this is a very commonly used one. I can't think of very many formulas where Jin Yingzi is an ingredient, but it's, it's one that we should know. Um, Jin Yingzi means golden cherry fruit. So Jin means, in very old Chinese, Jin just means metal. So when we talk about the five, five phases, Jin means metal, but um, in Jin later, Jin meant specifically to mean gold. So we like, we learned Jinyin Hua is a um, honeysuckle flower. It's gold and silver, um, gold and silver flower, or Yi Jin. That Jin means, um, I think that Jin means gold. Anyway, Jin means gold, uh, so golden cherry fruit. Jin Yingzi, not sure this is a very commonly used herb. Not sure it's, it's definitely not like a three-star herb or an A-list herb. Um, but it secures kidney essence and binds up the intestines to stop diarrhea. So Cherokee rosehip. After that is Fu Pen Zi Ruby Fructus. Fu Pen Zi Ruby Fructus. And this is Chinese Raspberry. Um, so this one tonifies, to, again, both tonifying the kidney and securing essence. So frequent urination, aneurysis, brain premature ejaculation, or wet dreams. So um, nighttime uh, nocturnal emissions. So again, here we're doing we're doing both at the same time. We're tonifying the kidney and inducing astringency to stop leakage. It's both sweet and astringent, so we're doing both at the same time. Then it also brightens the eyes. So I think we went through the tonify yang category. We learned a lot of herbs that also have this action of uh, tonifying kidney to brighten eyes, like tusitsa, sha yuanza. So here in this one, we have another one that's. Um, Brightening the eyes for poor vision due to liver and kidney deficiency. So we could add that along with our other ones like gochitsa, things like that. Uh, fupenza, the name of this one is kind of interesting. Fupenza means overturned bedpan fruit. Fupenza, overturned bedpan seed or fruit. So the idea here, uh, when you say tipping over the bedpan, it's kind of like if you had a lot of kidney yang deficiency, you would have to pee a lot at night, so you would have a bedpan next to your bed. But when you take fupenza, it's so good at tonifying yang, it's so good at inducing astringency to stop leakage, you don't even need your bedpan anymore. So you flip it over because you don't even need it. So that's that's kind of an interesting name for this one. Fupenza, overturned bedpan fruit. It's so good at stopping urination, you don't need to use your bedpan anymore. So that's maybe a name, a way you can remember this. Again, I'm not sure this is a super common one. We will see this and come up in a couple formulas for kidney yang deficiency. I also see this used uh, commonly when we talk about like spring wines, that when you want to take a bunch of herbs and soak them in alcohol, so it's something that you can take during the winter to keep warm and um, 
kind of boost your kidneys and something that you can take long term as part of your yang sheng or nourishing life. I see fupenza come up a lot in that. I, th I think we only see it come up in one or two of our formulas, so not quite as a common one, but I remember Fupenza tonifies kidney yang and stops leakage as well. Then we're getting into our last ones, Hai Piao Xiao Sepiai Endocancha. Hai Piao Xiao Sepiai Endocancha. This is cuttlefish bone. So cuttlefish bone. So this one secures essence and stops discharge, especially for seminal emission and vaginal discharge. So it's that lower jaw leakage. Um, this one not really tonifying like our, we had our other ones that tonified kidney yang. This one just more about inducing astringency to stop leakage. It also induces astringency to stop bleeding for a wide variety of bleeding problems, but is especially for bleeding due to deficiency. So I think technically we can use it for things like coughing up blood and vomiting blood. Those tend to be bleeding due to heat, but especially for bleeding due to deficiency. And we can also use it topically for bleeding and trauma. Again, you can think about like this is a cuttlefish bone. You can grind it up into a powder and think about using it as a powder to kind of like a stippling powder to soak up the blood and staunch the bleeding. So that's Hai Piao Xiao. I think really the most famous action here is that Hai Piao Xiao reduces stomach acid for stomach pain, acid regurgitation, ulcer. So this is, we use this a lot if somebody has... Um, gastroesophageal reflux or heartburn and so sometimes you if a person has heartburn you would prescribe them a formula and then you would just add in some high piao xiao to kind of treat the branch symptoms of heartburn as well so i feel like that's actually the most famous action of high piao xiao is reducing stomach acid but again we say it's for ulcer so on the one hand it's reducing if especially you have like a bleeding ulcer it like it reduces the stomach acid but it also stops bleeding as well so again it's doing both at the same time and we can also say it absorbs dampness and closes sores for chronic non-healing ulcers or damp rashes. So damp rashes, this is like you have some rash and itchiness, but it's very wet. It's very damp. There's some oozing or some pus. So you can think about grinding up high piao xiao into a powder, and it's kind of like that powder soaks up some of that oozing. I think we saw the same thing with like qing dai and things like that. Um, so used topically as a powder. So it's like, it's kind of like, if you're bleeding, you can sprinkle on some high piao xiao and it will staunch the bleeding. If you have some dampness oozing, some moist rashes, you can sprinkle on some high piao xiao and it'll soak that up. So you can think, of, so maybe that's why you can think about this is thinking about soaking up dampness, that it's good for dampness as in vaginal discharge, but it's also good for dampness in terms of rashes. But I'd say the most famous one is high piao xiao is good for stomach acid. Um, and for the name, uh, I know that high means like sea or ocean. So that's referring to, it's a fish. Uh, xiao, I think actually means like spider. So I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what this name, what this name means, but it's cuttlefish bone. I think, and I think cuttlefish had some other interesting names like a black thief or dark thief or something like that too. So anyway, hi piao xiao, cuttlefish bone. And then our last one is Sang Piao Xiao, Mantidus Utheka. Sang Piao Xiao, Mantidus, I think that second O actually has an umlaut on it. So Mantidus Utheka. 
Um, so Song Piao Xiao, this is Mantis Egg Case. So Song Piao Xiao, when I was in school, this was not on the syllabus. That's I don't have a picture of it because it wasn't in my herb sample kit. So when I was in school, this was not on our syllabus. But it turns out that this is on the NCCUM board list. So I wanted to include it here. And it turns out we learned one formula where Song Piao Xiao is actually the chief ingredient. But that's the only formula you learn with Song Piao Xiao. So this one we say it tonifies the kidney, secures essence, and contains urine. But I think really its most famous application is that it's used for bedwetting in children. So we can say it contains the urine and it's good for uh, frequent urination and dribbling urination. It's good for nocturnal emission. It can also be used for impotence because it tonifies the kidney. But I'd say its main or its most famous application is for enuresis in children or nighttime bedwetting in children. And so I think that's that's the application we learned for Song Piao Xiao. So this one, it may or may not be on your syllabus in school, but it is on the NCCOM list. And we learn one formula where this comes up. So for Song Piao Xiao, I would remember bedwetting. So that is our herbs that stabilize and bind or our herbs that induce astringency to stop leakage. So here, after we learn the herbs, a lot of times what I like to do is just go over some formulas. Again, this is not meant to be a formula class, but I think that sometimes uh, seeing the way these herbs are used in the context of a formula, that can help us remember these herb functions a little bit better. It gives it some context, and it also helps us review some of the herbs that we've learned. And so this will be especially important since we've learned the tonifying herbs as well. So we might see some of those come up as well. So let's just uh, real quickly look at some herbal formulas that use some of these herbs that stabilize and bind or herbs that induce astringency to stop leakage. So uh, one, one major one for sweating is Moolisan, oyster shell decoction. Moolisan, oyster shell decoction. And this is especially for spontaneous sweating. So inhibit inhibits sweating and stabilizes the exterior. Um, we're going to learn Mooli in the, in, the, in the next category. Um, so you may not have learned it yet. If you took an intro to herbs class, you may learn Mooli from the... Um, uh, anchor, settle, and calm category, but it turns out Muli, besides calming heart shen, it also has an action of stopping sweating. Uh, notice Huang Qi is there as well. Huang Qi astragalus root. Remember, Huang Qi was in the tonify Qi category. This one, it's really good for tonifying lung Qi, tonifying spleen Qi, but it had the action of stabilizing the exterior to stop sweating. So Huang Qi is another one that stops sweating. And then we add in our astringent herbs like Ma Huang Gen, the root of the Ma Huang plant, stops sweating, and Fu Xiao Mai, floating wheat. So we have three herbs all together that, or sorry, four herbs all together that all four of them have an action of stopping sweating. We put them together to stop sweating. So this is kind of a kind of example of combining some herbs from some different categories, and we're also tonifying Lung Qi to stop sweating. So Mulisan, very common formula for, for stopping sweating, so either spontaneous sweating or nighttime sweating. So that's Mulisan, stopping sweating. Um, another one in terms of uh, lung qi leakage is sheng mai san, generate the pulse powder. Sheng mai san, generate the pulse powder. And this is for lung qi deficiency plus lung yin deficiency. But then we also have symptoms of coughing and wheezing and sweating. So we say in the actions, we say stops excessive sweating. In the indications, we say chronic cough 
with sputum, that's difficult to expectorate. So again, here the idea is we have a deficiency condition. We have deficiency of lung qi and deficiency of lung yin. Because the lung is deficient, number one, the, 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 the exterior is unsound, so the, the fluids leak out, so we have leakage of sweat. But then also the lung qi is leaking out in terms of a chronic cough. So we have a, a chronic dry cough, shortness of breath, spontaneous sweating. So when you look at the ingredients here, we've learned all of these, and this, this actually tells us exactly what the formula does. Remember, Renshen tonifies qi. It tonifies all types of qi, including lung qi. So Renshen tonifies qi. Maimendong tonifies yin, especially tonifies lung yin. And then Wuweitsa is sour in flavor, induces astringency to stop sweating. So we have one herb that tonifies qi, one herb that tonifies yin, and one herb that induces astringency. So this is for lung qi deficiency plus lung yin deficiency, where we have coughing and sweating as well. So this is a good example of where we say the, the sour herbs are treating the branch symptoms, and we combine them with tonifying herbs to treat the root cause. Here we have an example of that, where... Um, the underlying cause is lung qi and yin deficiency. We use ranch and maimendong. Branch symptom is coughing and sweating. We use wuweitsa to induce astringency. So that's sheng mai san. Getting into diarrhea. We may have talked about this one before, shenling baiju san. This is for spleen qi deficiency with dampness, where that dampness is causing diarrhea. So here we have... Um, first, our tonifying herbs, our four gentlemen, Renchen Baiju Fuling Jirgansau to tonify spleen qi. Shanyao Bai Biendo also tonify spleen qi. Bai Biendo, especially good for dampness and diarrhea. Yi Ren from the drain dampness category, also good for dampness. Sha Ren from the aromatic transform damp. So we're both draining the dampness in terms of promoting urination, but we're also aromatically transforming the dampness. Then we have Lianzi lotus seed as a way to induce astringency to stop the diarrhea. So here, our root cause is spleen qi deficiency. The spleen qi deficiency is causing dampness, and the dampness is causing diarrhea. So we have a large group of herbs that are treating the root cause, the spleen qi deficiency. We have another group of herbs that are treating like the primary branch, which is dampness. And then we add in some Lianzi to treat the secondary branch of uh, diarrhea. So here, Lienza is using is being used to treat the branch symptoms of stopping diarrhea. That's Shenling Bajusan. Again, with diarrhea, we have Shenwan for miracle pill. This is for diarrhea, but this is for that early morning cockcrow diarrhea due to spleen and kidney yang deficiency. So diarrhea that occurs daily just before sunrise. It's occurring right at that time where Yin is turning into Yang. Um, uh, lack of interest in food and inability to digest what is eaten. So we might have diarrhea with undigested, so watery diarrhea, possibly with undigested food in the stool. And so you can see here, our chief ingredient is bugujer. Remember, we learned bugujer in the tanafa yang category. Bugujer was a special because it also enters a spleen channel. So bugujer tonifies spleen and kidney yang to treat this early morning diarrhea. So bugujer is treating the root cause, the kidney yang deficiency, then we add in Rodoko and Wuweitsa to treat the diarrhea. So again, we said Wuweitsa, besides stopping sweating, besides stopping cough, it's also good for astringent kidney as well. And part of that meant um, diarrhea due to kidney yang deficiency. Rodoko is nutmeg, so it binds up the intestines, but also warms the interior. It's warming the middle jowl, so it's good for this cold condition. So those are some examples where we're using 
Bugujur to treat the root cause. We're using Rodoko and Wuweza to treat the branch symptoms of early morning diarrhea. After that, we're getting into, we have some formulas that are good for kidney leakage or leakage of essence. I think we talked about this one before as well. Jinsuo Gujingwan, metal lock pill to stabilize essence. It's good for chronic spermatorrhea uh, due to kidney yang deficiency. So we say stabilize kidney and binds up the uh, binds up the semen. So again, this is the Bensky term, stabilize and bind. Stabilize the kidney, bind the large intestine. And so here, our chief herb is one that we talked about before, Sha Yuanza. This was in the tonified kidney yang category, the one of the, at the very end. This is the seed of astragalus. And so it tonifies kidney yang, especially for leakage condition, conditions. So Sha Yuanza is treating a root cause, the kidney yang deficiency. But then we use Qian Shi and Lian Zi to induce astringency to hold that in, to, to hold in the chronic spermatorrhea. So again, we're, uh, we're using some herbs to treat the root, and then we're using uh, astringent herbs to, to treat the branch. Longu and Muli, we'll learn those in the next category, but they also have an action of inducing astringency. And so those are just some formulas that we use to stabilize and bind. So that is our category, herbs that stabilize and bind. If we want to do a quick review, remember we started off with the ones that are good for treating lung leakage. So um, Wu Weitza was Cassandra. It's good for lung chi leakage, like coughing and wheezing, but also lung chi leakage as in sweating. We saw that in that formula, Shung Mai San. But it also is good for kidney leakage as well, either leakage of essence like uh, seminal emission, but also um, good for diarrhea. We saw that in the in that formula, Su Shen Wan. So good for good for kind of all types of leakage. Um, uh, lung chi leakage, large intestine leakage, and kidney leakage. And then it also had this action of um, holding the heart chi together, preventing heart chi from scattering to calm shen. Fu shao mai is good for sweating. It's, it's not good for any of those other types of leakage, only good for sweating, but also tonifies heart chi to calm shen. Bai guo, uh, some books put this in the coughing and wheezing category. So bai guo is especially good for coughing and wheezing. But then we also had that said it has that action of eliminating dampness as well and helping with some of that vaginal discharge or cloudy urine. Cloudy urine or milky urine, a sign that there's some dampness that's leaking out with the urine. So Bag will think coughing and wheezing, but also think dampness as well. After that, we get into our subcategory of uh, middle jowl leakage or large intestine leakage with diarrhea. So Ume has a lot of functions. Um, a lot of these diarrhea herbs are also good for coughing and wheezing as well. So ume is good for coughing and wheezing, but its main action is astringing the large intestine to stop diarrhea. But remember that ume also has a famous action of generating body fluids and alleviating thirst. And ume is also very famous for treating roundworms, vomiting roundworms as in a Yin syndrome. So ume, if you're thinking about the Shanghan Moon and the six levels, ume is our representative verb for the Yin level. You can think that the sour flavor goes to the liver, which is one of the Jueyin channels. Then we had Hutze and Rodoko, very similar of binding up the large intestine to stop diarrhea. The way we would differentiate them is that Hutze, um, again, it can also be used for um, coughing and wheezing or loss of voice, but uh, Hutze is more neutral in temperature, so we can use it for both heat or cold conditions, whereas Rodoko is warm in temperature. We can actually say it warms the interior, warms the middle jowl. This is nutmeg. You would use it in, in your pumpkin spice lattes. When the weather starts to get cold, you would use Rodoko 
to warm the interior, but also to stop diarrhea, bind up the intestines and stop diarrhea. Chun pee um, is good for that large intestine leakage, but especially for damp heat. So chun pee, this is the one that's actually cold in temperature. So you can think of diarrhea and dysentery due to damp heat, especially when there's blood in the stool. But it's also for vaginal discharge due to damp heat. So chun pee, think damp heat. Tersherger um, is good for uh, large intestine leakage, but it's also good for stopping bleeding. And Tersherger, the chur means red, so you can maybe think that the red color of this herb makes it good for stopping bleeding as well and also regenerating flesh. That's kind of a thing that we just see with minerals and bones that they tend to uh, regenerate flesh. Lianza and Tianxi, again, very similar. We often use them together. We often use them together in food therapy. They both... Um, tonify the spleen and stop diarrhea. They both tonify the kidney and stop leakage of essence. So they're very good for two types of leakage, but they also treat the root cause. The difference here is Lianzi is also good for calming the spirit, whereas Qianshi has a very uh, much stronger action of treating dampness and vaginal discharge. So Qianshi, it's not only tonifying, but all, we also go so far to say that eliminates dampness, treating both the root and the branch. So if you if you get a question about vaginal discharge and you have to pick between Lienza and Qianshi, pick Qianshi. Uh, after that, we get into our kidney leakage ones. We have uh, Shanjuyu. It's good for kidney leakage, but also tonifies kidney yang. So we see Shanjuyu come up in a lot in our kidney yang formula. So tonifies kidney yang and stops kidney leakage. Uh, Yingzi, uh stops kidney yang leakage, um, and fupenza stops kidney leakage. Again, these are also good for warming the kidney, so we'll see, we'll occasionally see them in kidney yang formulas. Fupenza, I would remember, also brightens the eyes as well. Fupenza, that's the one that means overturned bedpan fruit. So it's so good at tonifying the kidneys and, and stopping urination problems that you don't need to use your bedpan anymore. Hai piao xiao, Stops uh, stops that lower jiao leakage, but also reduces stomach acid as well. And then the one that's not listed there, Song Piao Xiao, uh, especially good for bedwetting as well. So that is our category, herbs that stabilize and bind. So again, like we've been saying, in these lectures, we go over these herbs in a lot of detail. This is like, this is an hour and a half long where if you were taking an herbology course and you had weekly quizzes, this is a good way to go into all those herbs into great detail. But if you're studying for a big test like um, finals, year ends, clinic, clinic entrance exams, or if you're studying for boards like nationals, and if you want to review the herbs in a very quick manner, uh, uh, maybe a better way to do that is to look at the uh, single herb review course that we have up on Teachable. So this is a course that it's meant to go through all of the herbs, but it's meant to go through it in a very quick, efficient manner. So you see, it's we have different modules. In the first one, we're going over the properties of herbs. So those are things like the taste, temperature, entering channel, dosages. And then we also go over some of those things that we talk about in the very beginning. So. If you're studying for boards, you may get some questions on the preparation of herbs. Do you stir fry it in honey? Do you stir fry it in ginger? Or like we saw today, we had certain herbs that we use in their charred form to stop bleeding. Very likely you'll get questions about that. So that's a good thing to review. We go over the different types of combinations. And so 
This is a good one, especially when we talk about the 18 incompatible herbs and the 19 antagonisms or the 19 fears. Very likely you'll get questions about that. So we go over that. And then we go over some common Chinese terms. This is just a, a very common thing I get when people say they have difficulty remember the Chinese names of herbs. Sometimes by going over some common terms, that makes it a little bit easier. Then we go over uh, herb categories. Basically, if you're studying herbs or you're studying, um, especially when you get like uh, formula modification questions, knowing that your, herbal, your herb categories is very useful. So we go over that. And then we just go through and talk about... Um, each category one at the t one at a time but here we're going through them much more quickly so instead of taking an hour and a half for each category sometimes we're just looking at 10 minutes per category and we'll explain what the category means but then we'll just go through some of the key points for each herb so instead of going in great detail we'll just kit on the key functions that you need to know for each herb and talk about some of the cautions and contraindications. Like for example, Da Huang is contraindicated in pregnancy and in breastfeeding. That's what those emojis mean. And so here we'll, we'll go through each category, just talking about um, the major functions of herbs. And then we have some bonus sections where we go over Shanghan Lun and Wenbing herbs. So like today we talked about, um, we talked about Mei was our representative herb for Yin syndrome. So we'll go through all the six levels about um, which herbs are associated with each of the six levels because that's something that's very common to get to. So um, for Taiyin, we or uh, for Shaoyin, we use Futsa and Ganjiang, like in our uh, uh, Sunitang. For Yin, we have this condition of heat above and cold below. That's where we get vomiting roundworms, and uh, we use Mei. Oh, look, I'm even wearing the same shirt. So here we're talking about the yin and yang separating. I thought I had a, I thought I had a nice animation about the vomiting roundworms here. Yeah, here, here, here we're talking about the vomiting roundworms. When, when you have cold below, those roundworms in there, they don't like that cold. So they start moving upwards to where the heat, of, heat above is. And so that's why we get vomiting roundworms. So anyway, we, we have some, some videos about uh, Shanghan Lun and Wen Bing. See the roundworms are moving upwards. And then you start vomiting them outwards. We also have uh, some bonuses about the secondary functions of herbs, about which herbs brighten the eyes, which herbs kill parasites, which herbs promote lactation, things like that. Um, then there's some herb ID stuff and also uh, herb quality criteria. This is something that you might get questions about if you're taking boards. And so um, you can learn about Herb quality criteria as well. This this was an annoying handout to put together. Will this come up? So here we go through and talk about what makes each herb good. So for Zutsuye, you want big, unfragmented and stalkless leaves of purple color and an immensely aromatic fragrance. That's how you know. So if you're if you're going through um if you're studying for boards anyway, you'll probably want to know about your herb quality criteria as well. So anyway, if you're going through a big test, you're studying for finals, year ends, or boards, um, instead of going through, we do, we, I do have uh, lectures on each category, but they're like two hours long on the website. If you just want to quickly hit on the key points because you're reviewing for finals, year ends, or boards, check out that um that review course on Teachable. There are links to that below. It's currently 49 bucks on Teachable. Uh, once, once you sign up for that course, you have access to it forever. This isn't a subscription thing. I know like TCM tests, 
is a subscription. A lot of the other review courses, you only have access to them for six months. With this review course, once you buy it, you own it forever. So kind of the idea was if you're in your herbology courses and you're studying for finals, you can use this course to study for finals. That's what's divided up by category. If you're studying for first year ends, you can use the course again to study for first year ends. If you're studying for second year ends and you need to go back and review your single herbs, you can use the course for uh, second year ends. And then you graduate and you need to study for your NCCUM boards or your kale boards, or some people even use it for pan-Canadian boards. You can go back and study it again. So the idea is you buy this course, you own it forever, and then you can use it multiple times as you review throughout your academic career. So check that out. Also, just buying a course helps support uh, support the website, the YouTube channel, and everything we do. Also, special thank you to the Patreon members for supporting the website, YouTube channel, and everything I do. Um, so thank you for everyone who donates either by joining the Patreon or making a one-time donation through buying me a coffee. If you want to do that, there are links to that below. On the uh, Patreon feed, we've also been doing a special uh, thing called TCM Talks. So it's kind of like TED Talks, but it's uh, where I just ramble about um, various topics on TCM. So that's something that if you join the Patreon, you'll get access to that as well. So, so far there are six of them. The latest one was about, um, I'm getting into a series where we talk about charging money for acupuncture treatment. So the, this first one is about um, this idea of selling from your own pocket. That when I first started out, I was very uncomfortable charging money for my services. And so I talk about some of the things that got me over that kind of shifted that mindset so I could charge money. Well, we also talk about things like some analogies for Western medicine versus TCM, you know, things like logical systems and things like that. Some analogies for the types of cheat. A lot of times the cat shows up in these videos too. So if you're in, if you want to see more of the cat, check those out. Um, so there are some things you, if you want to join the Patreon, you, that will, You'll be supporting the website, the YouTube channel, and you'll also getting, be getting special access to some extra content as well. So that's it for this time. Again, um, there are some notes and flashcards you can download. Uh, check out the links to those below. There'll be a practice test you can take as well. And then we'll come back with the next one, which is, I believe, Herbs That Calm the Spirit. I'll have to take a look, but I believe our next one is Herbs That Calm the Spirit. So I'll see you in that one. Thanks for being here. See you next time.